Good morning, church family. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Somebody say amen. No place I would rather be than here today. I want to just kind of, here's the thing. Uh, Pastor Calvin gets up here, whoever gets up here, Pastor Allen, Pastor Shelley, uh, we're caught up in everything going on and we miss some important announcements. So here's the thing. Don't forget to get tacos. Everybody remember that drive out, get tacos. You can do that today. It's a great deal. $10 a plate, three tacos, beans and rice, drink. You're not going to beat that anyplace else. Go do that today. All, that, all those proceeds go towards holding down the cost for our youth retreat. Okay, that's what the big and small is. Uh, we're, we're helping teach our staff about budgets. They didn't even know that there was such a thing for a while. And I was wondering why I was frustrated until I said, you don't have a budget? Oh, okay. Oh, so uh, we're doing that. And we, we believe that every kid ought to be able to go to a retreat. Amen. Money shouldn't be an option, so you can help towards that, and so we want you to do that. Secondly, as women, you understand that WOW is this Friday night. <laughs> pastor Elaine Fisher will be here, for those of you who don't know. She is Pastor Robert Morris's daughter. They pastor in Katy, Texas, uh, at Gateway Church over in Katy. Uh, she's making the drive over here Friday night, and she's got, she's got, a, she's got a word for our women on Friday night. It's going to be a full house. If you haven't gotten your tickets or hadn't bought tickets for your friends and neighbors, you need to do so. That's a big deal. Also, for those of you new to Life Community Church, maybe it's your first day, be sure to fill out that card. But all those of you who've been coming for a while, you say, I want to know more about Life Community Church. Here's the op opportunity to do so. Starting the first weekend, the first Wednesday night, sorry, the first Wednesday night in October, we go for three weeks. We call it Welcome Home. My wife and I, Shelly's not here today. She's with our son, Jonathan, in Brenham, Texas which when I said Brenham, immediately Doug says, are you going to get some ice cream? <laughs> First thing he said, uh, she's with him today. And her and I have made this commitment. We've been here 29 years. Uh, and we want to get to know you. Uh, we're not about pastoring a big church for the sake of pastoring a big church. It's not the, it's not the size of the church. It's the people in the church. Amen? Amen. And so we want you to come, we want to get to know you, we want you to get to know us, get to know where we come from, our heart, our vision, what God is doing here. Speaking of the vision, just real quickly, uh, we got some big things going on. With God's help, we certainly plan with God's help in the next several years to build a new sanctuary. Somebody say amen. amen. But probably as important, if not more important, is that God's given us a vision that we call legacy ministry. And what that means is that we have an internship that's going on here for that we're going to have young people coming from all over the states, uh, and we're going to be preparing them for what God has for them, servant ministry. Uh, oftentimes, the church in the last 50, 100 years, uh, we've trained up pastors, but you understand something. Uh, I've got people calling all the time that need good administrative help. Sure. Somebody say amen. That understands ministry, that understands the scope of ministry. We're going to train up those people. We're going to train up sound and AVL people all those things, and not only send them overseas, but send them in this country, and keep some of them here for ourselves, amen? And so we want you to keep that in mind. Well, stand with me today. Whew. Man, I've got to ramp down from the worship for just a moment, huh? That was good. Yeah. You know, God wants to do something here today. I'm not satisfied for just having church. Uh, 
I've been here 29 years, and I can tell you, I'm not satisfied with having church day. I believe that God wants to change our lives. Uh, and, and I believe that in a big way. How many of you would like for God to change your life today? Raise your hand. Woo! Father, we come right now. Jesus, you said all we have to do is ask. And sometimes we ask the little tangible stuff. Stuff we believe you want to accomplish or you can accomplish. And Lord, we just kind of leave the stuff that's big unspoken. A changed life is huge. How in the world would you start? Where would you start? Where would you go, Lord? I pray, Father, that you know how to do that. And you know how to do that in us. So, Lord, seed a place for your word today in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives today. Lord, that we can begin to see differently, think differently, and receive you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name today. Amen and amen. You can be seated. How many of you know that church people are different? That's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Uh, because there's this whole culture that goes around with church, and sometimes church culture has nothing to do with Christianity. Somebody say amen. Uh, you know, you could put whatever label you put on the door, but it can be no different than any other organization on planet Earth. Kind of remind me of the story of this guy. He'd been stranded on a desert island for years and years and years and years and years. Until one day, way out in the distance, he sees this ship coming. The first time he's ever seen a ship. So he builds a huge fire. Uh, and he builds a fire and he gets the smoke and begins to build. And sure enough, the ship stops. And before long, he sees a dinghy coming. And he greets them on the, on the beach. And the guy says, gets kind of, how long have you been here? He said, I've been here for years. He said, well, how did you survive? And he told him how he foraged for food. And he said, in fact, uh, I've had the time here that I, I built a house. And he pointed up on the hill and there was a huge house on the hill. I said, wow, that's your house. He said, but I see there's some more buildings up there. He said, what's that building right there next to your house? He said, well, that's my church. The guy said, well, that's great, but I got to ask, there's another building up there. What is that building? He said, well, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> that's just like church people, isn't it? He probably didn't like the color of the carpet. Today I'm going to take a couple of misinterpreted, misunderstood scriptures and we're going to try with God's help to bring some light, some understanding, some revelation to understand exactly how these scriptures are to be applied to our life. The first one is a very familiar scripture, it's John 10.10. 10. You might have your Bible and turn that along with me. Uh, the New Living reads this way, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says this, words in red, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. King, Jer King James, in case you're stuck on King James, I want to read it in King James. It says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And that word there, that's been translated in the New Living as rich and satisfying, more abundantly is really defined as more than sufficient or overflowing. And so there's some real discussion over this passage because what does it really mean? What is Jesus promising? What is he saying about abundant life? And 
What is the abundant life? And is it really available here on earth? And, and can we have something from God that is both sufficient and overflowing? Well, in order for us to understand what the abundant life is, we first of all have to define what it is not. The abundant life is not found in any external stimulant. I'm going to explain that in just a moment. The abundant life for most people is simple. Whatever makes me happy. But you understand something. Let's talk about three things the abundant life is not. The abundant life is not found in a person. Wait a minute. You say, well, pastor, if I find the perfect person, I could be happy. Why did y'all laugh at that? Okay, how many married people do we have here today? Raise your hand. Y'all were the ones laughing. I'm just letting you know right now. If I find the perfect person, I can be happy. But I want you to understand something. I believe in godly relationships, but there is not a perfect person on this planet, number one. Number two, there's not a person on this planet that can provide for you the abundant life. Now, I know your kid, you think your kids are perfect. We all know that they're not. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> We're not going to go there this morning. I'm going to offend everybody in the place. So the abundant life's not found in a, in a person. It's not found in a place. You say, well, I have my happy place. Everybody needs a happy place. But I'm going to tell you something. The abundant life is not found in a place. Uh, you can go to the most beautiful place or even be in Texas. But Texas is not the abundant place. Lastly is this, the abundant life is not found in a thing, and yeah, I'm talking about money. It's not found in material things, it's not found in money, it's not found in a political party agenda. In fact, I recently had a conversation with a guy on Friday, and this scripture came up. Uh, and his answer to me was this, is well, I really believe that can be partially fulfilled. Meaning that the abundant life, maybe we can have a little taste of it here, but really it's just getting a taste of it here, uh, and then we go to heaven. And what I, ha what I have a problem with that is this, then why didn't Jesus say that? You, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that he was clear about everything. Somebody say amen. amen. I don't think he's teasing us here. I don't think that he's hoodwinking us here. I do believe in abundant life. Otherwise, he would have said, listen, just suck it up. You're going to live here on earth. You go to heaven, it's going to be great. That's not what he says here. He, he talks about an abundant life and living here on earth. Now, if God had another purpose, we could all say, well, Jesus come in my heart and we all go to heaven and God's will would be fulfilled in our life. But how many of you know that God has something for you here on earth? We're going to talk about that today, but you know what? We're going to challenge some real misconceptions we have about this. Because, let's be honest, I'm tired of Christians in the church making excuses. Somebody say amen. Of why we're just like everybody else. Can I tell you something? And this is where we're going today. We weren't created and made to be like everybody else. Jesus didn't come to earth and live a perfect life and die an atoning death and re be resurrected on the third day for us to just be like everybody else. So when I read this abundant life, it creates some big questions in me. 
Until recently, I had no idea what the abundant life was. Until I've been praying, and as I've been praying, the Holy Spirit has been just illuminating this principle that's found in all through the New Testament, not just in one passage, passage after passage. See, the abundant life, listen to this, and it's important that you understand, the abundant life is the restoration of man's created nature and being. Now, let's go to the beginning in the garden. The garden was a great place. Somebody say amen. It's a great place. Everybody say great place. No sin. I mean, God is providing. Uh, that they're there, they're hanging out, Adam and Eve, they aren't having any arguments. It's Eden, means paradise. You know, for me, it's, here, here's perfection. It's 67 degrees at night. You know, 80, no, 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 uh, no, no humidity during the day. Somebody say amen. God's coming every day. He's hanging out with man. And here's what you need to understand. And it says that man was created in the image and likeness of God. Now listen to me. That doesn't mean that he's created with God's superpower. Because Adam wasn't all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful. So we have to understand man was created in the nature of God. Now that's important because we've got to understand God has a nature. Let's talk about God's nature. There's a big word we use, and all it means is unchangeable. The word is immutable. What that word means is that God doesn't change. He doesn't wake up today and say, I don't like Glenn anymore. Somebody say amen. That's not in his nature. It's not in God's nature to be a second place God. He was, you know, it's not in his nature. That's why it's so important in our giving because you understand something. God always wants to be a first place God. He doesn't want to be behind your mortgage. He doesn't want to be behind your car payment. Somebody say amen. And people say, I don't know why God doesn't bless me because you haven't made him a first place God. And you understand something. In his nature, he can't be second place. It's not in God's nature. So last week we dealt with this other scripture because Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he creates the great dilemma. The great dilemma is this, is that there is an epic failure which we call the Old Testament. Here's the failure, is that no matter how hard man tries, he fails. Somebody say amen. You can be a man after God's own heart. And have a moment on a roof looking at a woman that's going to change the rest of your life. Somebody say amen. Amen. That you can try your best and try your best and try your best and try your best and still fail. That is the Old Testament. And so Jesus begins teaching. And he says, you've heard. Don't commit adultery. Everybody says, duh. And he says, But if you look at a woman lustfully and you do so in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Uh, You've heard it said, don't commit murder. But I I say, Jesus saying the word of God, if you have it in a heart, it's just enough that you even call somebody an idiot. You're in danger. 
And so we get to chapter 5, verse 43, and he gives us a picture about who God is, but then he creates a bigger dilemma. Because if you understand the Old Testament and you want to live according to the Old Testament, what he's about to say is absolutely impossible. Matthew 5, 43 says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. By the way, that's not God's law, that's man's law. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. So here's the nature of God. He's unchangeable no matter what you do or how you act and behave. Wait a minute, that's good news. Y'all act like that's not good news. It doesn't matter what you've done this week or how evil you may think you yourself to believe. God still loves you today. <laughs> so you may be condemning yourself, but that's not God. Now, conviction is a whole different ball game. Because you understand conviction is God dealing with our sin because he wants to have a relationship with us. That's the purpose and plan. God wants to have a relationship with you, so he's going to deal with the sin that's in the way. You see, the sin is not just about going to heaven. The sin is about having a relationship with God, because here's the deal. When you go to heaven, you're going to have a relationship with God all the time, 24-7, forever. And so we get this understanding of God, for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and unjust. He blesses those that are even undeserving. Now understand something. Stay with me. We can all say amen to that. But our human nature has a difficult time with this. Because God, God can forgive Ted Bundy. Somebody say amen. God can forgive Charles Manson. Oh, pastor. How is that possible? Because man doesn't change who God is. And you understand something? We have a problem with God's grace and mercy except for when it pertains to us. And he says, if you love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. And then he wraps it up with this little passage, much like John 10, 10, that is so misconstrued and misunderstood and misinterpreted. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That word translated is complete and whole, and what that means is not lacking anything. And so Jesus is saying, you are to be complete and whole, not lacking anything, like your Father in heaven is complete and whole and not lacking anything. See, I, I want us to understand something. Let's, you say, how does this apply to the abundant life? Stay with me. Because God in his nature is not looking for happiness. 
when you are, we're going to get there, when you are peace, love, and joy, there's no reason for you to look for happiness. See, we don't bring completeness to God. Did everybody hear what I just said? God says, well, I'm complete now because Cooper came to church today. Oh, yay. Is God glad Cooper came to church today? Yes. Absolutely. But it doesn't change who he is. Because you know what? He loved Cooper even when he doesn't come to church. That's what the scripture says. See, he, he loves Cooper all the time. No matter what. He reigns on the just and the unjust, and God's complete and secure in himself, so much so that he doesn't have to look anyplace else for happiness. And this is what Jesus is saying. You're to be complete in your nature, which was the created nature in the very beginning in the garden. You're to be complete in your nature that was given to you by God that you don't have to look for happiness anyplace else. So much so, listen to me, so secure in yourself that you can bless your enemies. Say, Pastor, that's pretty personal. I get it. I'm not saying this is easy. I mean, I, I am I'm wrapped up to my ears in this revelation. I, I'm telling you, ate up with it. I'm seeing it all through Scripture. I mean, everywhere I turn in the New Testament, it's there. That God wants to change our nature. So, I prayed about it, got up early, 4 o'clock this morning, earlier than that, 3.30. Get ready for this morning. I'm coming to church this morning, driving and, and having a good old time. I put on my Christian music, changed the channel. I'm not the only hypocrite in the place. Somebody say amen. I mean, you can't listen to Highway to Hell going to church. Don't act like you don't do that either. I mean, I hear you guys are in the car and you got your country drinking your beer song and your wife says, you can't listen to that going to church. God loves you even when you're listening to your drink your beer and cheat on your wife song. Somebody say amen. So I'm bopping along, getting a clip, about to turn, come onto Fairmont Parkway, and this guy, just the last minute, I mean, out of nowhere, just whoops right in front of me. I did this. Because I didn't want to do the other thing. Because I got the Christian channel on. Man, I got convicted. It's like, here, here you're talking about a change in nature. And you love those who spitefully use you. And you love your enemies. And you can't even love the guy that cuts in front of you. Now, listen to me this morning. I'm talking about a change in nature. I'm not talking about a change in behavior. The church has been masterful at creating behavior modification. 
And listen to pastor, all behavior modification is, is raising people to be hypocrites. They just learn to hide their stuff better than everybody else. See, God is complete in himself, and he's complete in his nature. See, we are always looking for something to make us whole or bring us completeness. It's easy for God, you say, because he's God. He's perfect. But I want you to understand, I'm going to ask you a question. Could the abundant life be a stable life? I want you to begin your quest today for this abundant life. Is it a stable life? After all, I want you to understand something. How many of you know that God has feelings? No, wait a minute. He's not a robot. I've got to ask this question again. How many of you know that God has emotions? Let me, let me see your hands. Ephesians 4 talks about the Holy Spirit. And in 4.30 it says, and do not bring sorrow. That word there is grieve. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit has feelings. But here's the, here's the, here's the thing about God. God's feelings and emotions never change who he is. Did did you hear what I just said? The Holy Spirit can be grieved and still be loving you. Because by nature, God is love and he doesn't change his nature. That means God's not going to change his mind just because he's grieved. what, What that teaches us is this. And it's the greatest application in our life every day that there are going to be offenses. Somebody say amen. Amen. We're going to have a range of emotions, but that range of emotions shouldn't change who we are. Because what happens is when we all walk in unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and yes, even hate. Come on now, I'm going to tell you something. We all have been snookered. Every person in this place, by everything going on in this country that's been trying to divide us all. It's a huge play. And the people of God have fallen right into the play. That there's this great division, this great, you understand something. God loves everybody. Oh, Pastor, oh yeah, God even loves Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Hold on, you've already, you've already passed judgment on her. Some of you say, well, there's a special place in hell for her. Aren't we glad you're not God. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so here's somebody that you don't even know personally changes who you are. How is that possible? That the mere mention of somebody's name can change who you are. I'm so thankful that the mention of your name doesn't change who God is. Somebody say amen. That's not who God is. God hears Scott's name and he says, boy, I love that guy. I can't stop loving him. I'm not going to stop loving him. As long as he has breath to breathe, I'm going to keep loving Scott. 
Every day I'm going to, I'm going to create opportunities for me to love him more. See, that's what God does. We don't even see the opportunities. Somebody say amen. We don't even see them. And so our bad emotional days creates havoc for everyone and everyone around us. I mean, Jonathan was having one of those on Friday. I don't know what was going on. Honestly. Uh, you know, I don't know if him and Christian got in a fight, whatever. I mean, he had a crappy outlook on life. And I put up with it until I walked outside and looked in his truck and it was a mess in there. And I walked in and I said, dude, you need to clean out your truck. And this is what he said to me. It's clean. I said, dude, get your keys. I might not have been acting in the nature of God. I said, look in your seat. Now, this is, this is, how, how many of you have ever had a teenage 16-year-old in your house? In the driver's seat where he sits every day, there's been stuff sitting in the seat he's been sitting on for two weeks. I mean, too lazy just to pick it up and put it in the cup holder. I said, dude, you've been sitting on this stuff for two weeks. Oh, I said to clean up your truck. That means clean it up. You know what? It's a, you know, here's the amazing part. A little bit of correction, and all of a sudden, it was like the crappy outlook left. I mean, he was cool. He said, yeah, I, had a ba- I was in a bad frame of mind. I said, well, I was glad I was able to help you with that. See, we're created for earthly relationships, but listen to this. But we're not created to allow the earthly relationships to change who we are. God's nature is always giving and always blessing, and we were created to be givers and not just takers. So I can't allow others to determine who I am, but you understand something, it's hard. I mean, it's hard in a room this size with this many people and even church people. I mean, I've been in church all my life. I've seen people read the newspaper while the pastor's preaching because they're mad at him. We were on the wrong side, or I guess it was the right side for whatever, however you want to look at it, of a big church squabble. And we had all four of our tires slashed in the church parking lot. True story. See, what happens is we say, if you poke me, I'm going to poke you harder. You pull out a knife, I'm going to pull out a gun. But somebody's going to come out of this a winner. And Jesus said, why are you allowing people to determine who you are when I created you complete in the very beginning? And Jesus came and lived perfect. Now, stay with me because this is a challenge. Because I have a feeling in Jesus' day, we wouldn't have liked his ministry, some of us. Because you understand something, when he says in John chapter 3, he didn't come to judge. Look at the three years of his ministry and he never judged anyone. A woman caught in adultery, he forgives her. A man by the pool of Siloam, that he's a cranky old dude and he's got some real sin problems and Jesus heals him. Heals him. 
Nobody else cared if this guy ever got healed, but Jesus healed him. There's a demoniac in the Gerasenes, and he has brought havoc to this area where everybody knew of him and was frightened of him, and they kept their children inside. And if anybody deserved judgment, it was surely this guy. And Jesus loves him and delivers him. Then one day, a guy comes in a mat, and obviously this guy has a reputation, because I can understand the story, if you understand the story. Maybe he's a guy that's been a drunk. That's a good example. Maybe he was driving and he hurt somebody and now he's disabled. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And everybody in the crowd has a problem with it. And he knows what they're thinking. He says, why do you have a problem with me forgiving sins? And to prove that I have the power to do so, he says, get up and walk. And we all would say, poor how can Jesus forgive and heal that guy until that guy is us? The greatest stories that you'll ever hear in three years of his ministry, people tried to push him off a cliff, people tried to kill him, people spoke ill of him. And all he did every day is he never let anybody change who he was and he got up as the son of man, a son of God, and the word of God says, and he healed them all. Talk about love. And now he says, you're to be perfect. You're to complete, be complete and whole as your father in heaven is complete and whole. And you understand something? There has to be something more that we're missing. If the abundant life is this completeness, there has to be something that we're missing. And there is. See, I'm all for education, but... Education doesn't change your nature. And here's the key. We were created to be like God in nature so we can have a continual relationship with God. Now, I'm asking a question. What would you give for the abundant life? We spoke about it last week. We're going to talk about it again today. Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. No, we need better participation than that. Right, no, well, no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Get ahead of yourself. I mean, people don't even want to say it out loud in church because they say, I don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit because I went to a Pentecostal church when I was eight years old and they really freaked me out. There's so much wrong with that. I mean, there are freaky people at Walmart and you still go there. you got free pe freaky people at your workplace and you still get up and go to work every day. Somebody say amen. amen. And all of a sudden a preacher gets up and talks about the Holy Spirit and people go, <laughs> and they pucker up. I'm going to tell you something. We've been hoodwinked by the devil. We've been shortchanged. Because I'm entitled to believe what I want to, Pastor. Can I tell you something? There's only one absolute truth, and it's not yours or mine. You can believe what you want to all the way to hell. Somebody say amen. You can live like you want to and live and, and reap havoc all your life. 
but there's a God. You understand something. This is how supernatural he is. The Bible says you reap what you sow, but he's the only one that can change that process. How many of you know that God in his grace and mercy changes that process? We don't like it sometimes. Well, you you ought to have to pay for that. Oh boy, let's not get into secret hidden sins here today. Somebody say amen. Because if we could just have a couple of people pop up what they're thinking right now. Uh oh, we're all in trouble. But the Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit. Spirit. Produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Why is there no law against these things? Because this is the very nature of God. He has just told you what God looks like. And so what the work of the Holy Spirit is through Jesus Christ, that it comes and he redeems us and makes us clean. The Holy Spirit now comes and dwells in us. And as he dwells in us, he begins to change our nature. And the nature is to be like God because John says this in his epistle, that there's going to come a day when we're going to see him. And he says, we shall know him because we shall be like him. How are we going to be like Jesus? Our nature has changed. Listen, we, we believe too much. I, I believe in faith, but it's magical to think that you can live like the devil and be like Jesus. Yeah. Somebody say amen. And listen, you say, Pastor, you're talking about sin. Hold on just a second. No, I'm not necessarily talking about sin. I'm talking about this nature. Listen to me. How much would you give for peace, love, and joy? I know people that would give everything they have in their family to have peace, love, and joy. In their marriage to have peace, love, and joy. With their kids to have peace, love, and joy. At their workplace to have peace, love, and joy. And here's the secret. It's all right here. The Holy Spirit wants to produce that in us. See, but it's not about trying. Jennifer and Marty up here, they're married to one another. And imagine this afternoon, Jennifer looks at Marty and says, I'm going to try to love you, honey. (laughs) Now, she has the best of intentions, but Marty doesn't think so anymore. (laughs) Because he's going to say, why do you have to try? And you understand, that's how we, we view Christianity. We say, well, I'm going I'm to try to have love. I'm going to try to have peace. But you understand something. God doesn't have to try to love. John 4, 8 says, for anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is, God is, that's who he is. So you see, he's trying to change who we are. Not that we love, that we are love. Not that we have, we have peace. And we're talking about peace. God doesn't try to have joy. God doesn't have try to, try to have peace because 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace. 
He is the God of peace because you know why? He is peace. All of these are in God's nature. And so here's the question. How would our lives be different if our nature was just love, joy, and peace? Now, I'm going to ask a question. Wouldn't that be the abundant life? I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. If you were in the God nature, I mean, I, I used to scoff at this. I'm going to be honest with you. I've got a really good friend I grew up with. His dad's a preacher, and he used to get up and give his testimony. He says, I remember when I gave my heart and life to Jesus. And I was radically changed because I got up and instantly I had love. He said, I was filled with the Holy Spirit on that day and instantly I loved. And my problem with that is that's not how it happened for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, he had a change in nature instantaneously. For some of us, that doesn't happen like that because we've got a lot of issues in our heart. We've got unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and hate. All the other selfish stuff that goes with that greed and lust. See, if we, if we just had love, joy, and peace, would our relationships be different? How many believe that your decision-making would be different? Our quest for happiness would be different because you know Why? Happiness and joy aren't the same thing. People are on a quest to be happy. Happiness is like a meal. You know, you can eat a good meal. You can go to lunch in a little bit, get some good tacos. And if you're like me, two hours later, you're hungry. And my wife says, what's wrong with you? I said, that meal is in the past. I'm living in the present. I'm hungry. How can you be hungry? I I don't know how I can be hungry, but I'm hungry. And so that's like happiness. You're always searching to feel something. I've got to go buy this. I've got to have that. If I can attain to this, I can be happy. God doesn't have to search for happiness. You know why? Because he's joy. And listen to pastor. He wants to put that nature in us. Now, this goes against all that's American consumerism. You understand something. If you get church people that are full of joy, they don't have to search for happiness. You can say, well, let's build the kingdom. Hey, let's make sure that every kid that wants to go to retreat, we don't have to have a fundraiser. Let's make sure every kid that wants to go to the retreat, I'll sponsor them. That's just me. I think fundraising in church, everybody knows me, I hate it. Despise it. Because honestly, I think that we ought to say, man, every kid that wants to go and get turned on for God, we ought to take care of it. If they can't go, we ought to take care of it. See, everybody has this quest for happiness. They say, shopping is my happy place. Okay. For me, it used to be golf. Golf's my happy place. I hadn't played golf but a few times this year. And I I discovered something. It wasn't golf that was making me happy. I was trying to hide in golf from the things that were making me unhappy. 
we're good at distracting ourselves. Because we try to find a movie, a Netflix, whatever, get enthralled of it so we don't have to think about our unhappiness. Boy, that's good preaching today. I hope online y'all said amen because nobody here said amen when I said that. (laughs) Pastor Shelley, if you're watching, I hope that you're jumping up and down and saying, you go, Pastor, because I can hear you right now. (laughs) Some people might even say church is my happy place. But what happens when COVID comes along and you can't come to church? See, the abundant life makes the world a different place. And you understand something? This is the truth. We just don't have the faith to believe it's possible. It's good in nature. It's good in theory. It's even good theology, honestly. But when it comes to faith, we say, I don't know that God can change my nature. Are are you telling me that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died and he rose again? And we're going to say... I'm sorry, not enough. No, I'm telling you today, according to Scripture, Jesus came to change our nature. So what would we give for love, joy, and peace? I'd give everything. See, the abundant life changes lives because hear what I'm about to say. When God shows up, and he showed up here this morning, when God shows up, there's peace. How many of you experienced peace when you came in this place today? You understand something? That's the nature of God. When God shows up, there's love. When God shows up, there's joy. And so listen to me. What happens is when your nature changes and you go to school, guess what comes? Love, joy, and peace comes with you. You see, we're, we're praying for God to change our school. Maybe we need to be praying for God to change us. Because no matter what the world is going on in the world, no matter what's going on in Washington, no matter what's going on in Austin, I'm created in the nature of God. Somebody say amen. So where I show up, there's going to be peace. When I show up, there's going to be love. See, but you understand, this is what Jesus made clear. The thief comes to steal those things. He's a thief. He steals joy. He steals love. He steals peace. So how can we keep the abundant life or how can we get it? Are you ready? Number one, you have to protect the heart and keep it clean. And what this is all about is you understand something. Selfishness and sin are the same. And they're always going to fight against love because all you can see is you. It's like saying, how many people want to go to hell today? Nobody wants to go to hell. Okay, ask Jesus to come in your heart and you say, well, I'm going to preserve myself and go to heaven. And we used to scare people to death in that deal. You know, I grew up, how many know what I'm talking about? Preacher says, if you walk through those doors today, if you walk through those doors, you might get on Fairmont Parkway and a truck might not see you and you're going to spend eternity in hell. Well, who wouldn't want to get right with God after that? I mean, I had nightmares. Like, I would wake up in a cold sweat, praying to God and my mama, come! <laughs> yeah, we're self, we, we want to pervert serve ourselves. But Jesus, that's beyond the self-preservation. God wants to have a relationship with us. 
we've got to deal with the stuff inside of us and say, it's there. You can't be forgiven of sin if you can't acknowledge it and ask for forgiveness. You have to protect your heart and you have to keep it clean. And then Ephesians says this, number two, it says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word is continuous. And you understand something. Once again, we get freaked out by that word, oh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? Oh, da, 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 da. I don't think we ought to say, give me half, give me half a tank, God. I want a quarter of a tank. The Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You understand the only way to achieve the nature of God, listen to pastor, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? At camp 20 years ago? No. Oh, back when the revival happened in 74, her preach got up and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, that was a long time ago. You understand, if you hadn't filled your tank since then, it's a rusty mess. Somebody say amen. My, shoe, my shoe's untied. And Cooper's looking at like, if you don't tie your shoe, you're going to trip. I can see that. Okay, so there we go. I can read what people are thinking. Quit looking elsewhere and believe and receive the God nature. Quit looking for something to make you happy. Come on now. You, you can have your retirement full. You can have the lake house. You can have the new cars. You can even have the new wife. But you know what? It's not going to stop you to quit from quit looking. Because enough is never enough. And we have not learned that yet. Enough is never enough. There's got to be more. So quit looking and believe and receive the God nature. And what this makes us be a blesser, not a taker. It works out in our life. See, I'm here to be a blessing today. There's some people here we're about to pray and you've come to church today and you don't even, you're not even sure God could even forgive you. In fact, your name is your God wants to forgive you. And I'm going to tell you something. Not only does he want to, he's never, he's never changed his mind about you. Say, Pastor, I've been through some, some hairy stuff in my life. It's hard to believe a good God. Hear me, that wasn't God. Listen to me. God has a plan. He wants to have a relationship with you today and he wants to live with you forever. That's God, that he is love. But you understand something, we can only experience by coming back and saying, I don't want to live in the garden where there was sin. I want to live before. I need the Holy Spirit to fill me up. So here's the deal today. We have to examine our heart and start where we're at. Maybe there's stuff in our heart that needs to get out. Maybe you're here today. There's no better place than now. And it's not just church. But you understand something. That's not just a church thing. That should happen every day. Every day. So every head bowed, every eye closed.
I'm going to give a call for the sincere today, sincere of heart, those that are hungry. The Word of God says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got a lot of stuff in my heart. I've got a lot of healing that has to take place. I've got a lot of forgiving to do. I've allowed other people to change who I am. In fact, I've been where you're at. Maybe you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't even like the person you see anymore. You don't like what you've become. And you're here today and you say, Pastor, there has to be a change in my heart today. I, I am so, I'm so craving it and so desiring it that there has to be a change in my nature. That can happen for you today. If you will simply raise your hand, I want to pray with you. Raise your hand right now and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. That's where I'm at. Hands all over the place. Lord, we don't know how we get to the place that we get. I know the enemy comes and he steals and he kills and he destroys. And there's a lot of havoc in a lot of our lives. God, but you've never changed. <laughs> Your love for us has never changed. Your desires for us has never changed. So first and foremost, Lord, we embrace your love today and we ask, we ask you, Jesus, because you said all we have to do is ask. We ask, Lord, that you fill our hearts with love. As we push out with forgiveness, Lord, we, we, we mention those people by name in our heart and our mind right now that we just forgive them. We lay, it, we lay it at your feet and we say, God, we're not judging. We don't want to be the judge. We issue forth grace and mercy as you issue forth grace and mercy today. Holy Spirit, come, and we ask you to fill our hearts with love today. We ask that you fill our hearts with peace. We ask that you fill our hearts with joy. I have the same sense I had in first service, so with nobody looking around, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm one of those people. I'm here today because it's really kind of a last shot deal. I'm really not certain that God wants to forgive me and I've never really known his love today, but I really want to know his love. It's so serious for you that you've even thought about just ending it. But today God wants to love you. If that's you with nobody looking, will you raise your hand so I can pray for you right now where you're at? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> Jesus, help our young people. They've been so lied to. Jesus, please help our young people. Jesus. God, help us to quit complaining about them and pray for them. God, help us to quit making commentary about how we think and let us pray for them, God. They live in a world, Lord, where they want to see the real thing and we haven't given it to them. So, Lord, those that raise their hand right now, Lord, would you love them? It's only you can. Would you embrace them? Would you show them how much they are worthy because you love them? Would you forgive them? Would you give them hope? 
Would you fill them with love today and peace that they know that you're real? God, we don't want to play games in church. God, would you help us as a people to be difference makers? We're asking you today, Lord, as a church, to, feel, to change our nature. We don't want to be the same. We don't want to act, behave, respond, react the same. We don't want our marriages to be the same. So, Lord, we're asking you today to come and change. Holy Spirit, we ask that you fill us up. Fill us up today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me today? I've got to ask for your help before we leave today. I gave that call at the end, and there were probably eight to ten young people who raised their hand. We have our complaints about millennials and the way the world is headed and their confusion. But they really need us to be in the nature of God. They need hope. So instead of complaining this week, let's pray. How many of you will do that with me? Say, Pastor, I'm going to pray for this next generation. Every time you find yourself wanting to complain, I want you to pray. Because you understand something, our complaint doesn't keep that kid from killing himself. Because that kid is somebody's son and daughter. Listen to me, that kid that's confused and doesn't know who they are sexually, I get it. It might turn your stomach, but that kid is somebody's son or daughter. And you ought to pray for those kids just like they're your kids. Because that's love. And that's what changes everything. Amen? We love you. God loves you. He certainly has not given up you and he's not going to give up on you. So don't think he's ever given up on you. I want to encourage you this morning morning as you leave, be sure and go buy some tacos. Amen? Pastor Dylan's out there and he's working hard in the heat. Um, and all that money's going to go so our kids can go to camp. And so we want you to buy that, and it's going to be a great fundraiser. We love you. Hey, ladies, buy a wild ticket for a neighbor and invite them. Bring them. I'm telling you, it's going to be a full house. It's going to be a great Friday night. We love you. God loves you. Go with God today. You're dismissed. <laughs>